G'day folks, welcome to Pause and Listen, a podcast series brought to you by Big Dog Pet Foods, the leading pet nutrition provider in Australia with over 20 years of experience in the pet industry. We provide educational resources for pet parents and are proud of being transparent in everything we do. The podcast series is hosted by me, Johnny Manning, and we bring you interviews and deep dives into pet nutrition, pet care, training, and regular Ask a Vet segments. So thanks for tuning in. Now get your tails wagging and we'll get yapping. Good day, pet owners, fur parents, lovers of all creatures, great and small. Welcome to Pause and Listen. See, it's P-A-W-S, but it also means pauses in take a break, which I just did. It's a Big Dog Pet Foods podcast and it's a place for you to come to find out all manner of pet-related information. My name's Johnny Manning. I've been an advocate of Big Dog Pet Foods for many, many years now. And today, this day, I'm talking to the guy who started it all way back when. The founder, the managing director, still to this day, the big dog, Chris Essex. Esky, welcome to the show. What an introduduction. You like that? Yeah, I do. Thanks, man. Yeah, there there should have been like trumpets playing over it or something like that. <laughs> That was just off the top of my head. I mean, I know I'm holding a bit of paper, but that was that wasn't nothing on it. There's nothing on it. You know what I love about that though, managing director, right? Mm-hmm. You know what that says to me, what you're still knee deep in the business. You're not sort of just sitting up in some office somewhere, being a CEO and saying, "Oh well, I'll tell my minions what to do." You're in there, up to your knees in it, day in day out. You always wanted it to be like that? I mean, back then, did you always think, I mean, I know there's going to be evolutions through the business as it grows, but way back then, were you like, yeah, I'm going to work my ass off in this business? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love it. So I want to be involved in it. And I I do get people saying, well, maybe you're in the weeds too much. And maybe I am, but I love it. So, you know, we're going to keep going this way. Yeah. Yeah. So this journey for you, this road, this raw feeding obsession – um, you always loved doggos? Always. Always? always. always. I grew up with dogs all what'd you my have, life. What did you have growing up? Um, my very first dog was a, a cattle dog, and his name was Trash, <laughs> which is terrible. <laughs> it's it's horrible. Horrible. I'm saying that. Yeah, but you know why? <laughs> uh, trash and Treasure. You remember the old flea, yeah, mar- yeah. flea markets, Trash and Treasure? Right. Yeah, so we got him there. No way. So we got him Trash. Yeah. And he was a lovely dog. Um and then the next one growing, growing up was uh, a little Cocker Spaniel, black Cocker Spaniel called Bonnie. We got better with the names, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. It was much nicer. That's an advancement. Yeah. I grew up with cattle dogs too. I reckon they're amazing dogs for kids to grow up with. And here's my theory on it. They're incredibly intelligent. They're incredibly protective as well. Mm. So four brothers, older brothers, if I was getting beaten on, this dog would protect me. Oh, really? In the sense that... Um, I remember being chased by a brother and the cattle dog just gently grabbed my brother on the heel and wouldn't let him run after mm. me, mm. you know. it's Or they'd gently grab, just they wouldn't bite him hard, yeah. grab their arm in their mouth and just go, uh, 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 don't do that. Enough. It's leave the little fella alone. <laughs> so that's why I love cattle dogs. But I also think you've got to, yeah, as a kid, you've got to watch yourself around cattle dogs as well. And I'm not saying that they're they're bad or anything, but they're working dogs. Absolutely. You know, so you've got to be, you know, you, you need to take care with them. And I think they teach teach kids how to care for dogs, a cattle dog, in my opinion. 
There you go. That's my theory. Yeah, I like it. What do you make of it? I like it. Yeah. Yeah, I think cattle dogs need they they certainly need to be on land. They need to be worked, and then they want to work. So yeah. breed appropriate. Yeah. yeah. Um. So you grew up loving dogs, and then you started a dog food business. What, what, ha- <laughs> yeah, what, hap- like what happened in between there? I mean, you, you're 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 going to school. Um. Yep. You're deciding what to do. Grade eleven, twelve. How do you get to ag college out at Catton? Yeah. No, I didn't do too well to tell the truth. In eleven and twelve, I changed schools, and I I kind of rebelled a little bit. You'd be the first teenager to do that, mate. Yeah, well, I, you know, I was really enjoying my where I was at at high school in eight to ten, and then I got moved across from my parents, and so I rebelled a little bit. And my T score, to tell the truth, wasn't that that fantastic. For anyone who is uh, younger than us, a T score is, <laughs> says for a tertiary entrance score, yeah. which the now it's called an ATAR or an Avatar yeah, or something. I have no it's idea. the same thing, just repackaged yeah, differently. I'm, I'm too anyway, old, that's like a T back then. <laughs> Carry on. Anyway, got my T score wasn't that um, flattering, and um, my father was in. Um, uh, he was an industrial chemist, like he had uh, a business there supplying the small goods industry. And I used to do always um, school holidays and whatnot. I was always chasing some money. So actually, not, that's not always true. Dad used to drag me to work sometimes, <laughs> and I wasn't real happy about that either. But um, so I did that, and that Dad said, "You know what? People are always going to need food." So I thought, "Yeah, that makes sense." So that's why I applied out there at um, Gatton for um, the food science course that we did there. Two so years. What, what's that course called? Uh, like a bachelor of food, food science, AD food science and processing. Um, so you were, you would um, you'd learn all about nutrition and, and food and whatnot, and then the processing techniques with food. Yep. So we had a, a lab or a plant out there that we would we would do on a weekly basis. We'd be making different products, right from bread, baked beans, all, all that. No way, yeah, bread. Um, yeah, there's a whole host of different stuff that we were doing, you know, sausages and all that sort of stuff. So I always enjoyed it on the nutrition side of things. So that's what, what really got me excited was, was that nutrition side. You know, some of the other stuff, not so, not so much. Yeah. But um, part, of, part of our, um, our course was we had to go and get job placement. So I went to work for a small goods business. Um, it was a division of Woolworths at that time. And I was in a, a QA role there and... And I loved it, um, and they invited me back uh, upon completion of my course, which I did, and I um, I ended up working there for seven years. So I started as a QA officer straight into the QA, and then I ended up as QA manager. Wanted something a little bit different. Wanted to get into the operations and that sort of stuff. So I did. I moved into an assistant operations role, and then ultimately ended up as the production manager. So uh, I think at that time I was about twenty five, reporting into the plant manager, and that was my directive. And you know, I had two hundred and forty staff under me. Six managers and at twenty five. That's pretty decent, mate. Yeah, it was, and it was a, it was a massive learning curve for me. Um, and you know, we used to pump out five six hundred ton a, a week of product, and day shift, afternoon shift. Uh, I mean, we had a midnight shift there as well, but definitely six days a week we'd be working away. Was it stressful? Yeah, as a say, you're a twenty five year old with five hundred tons going at the door, and you got two hundred forty staff under you. Are you stressed? Yeah, yeah. I think um, I don't think I was a stress head. I, th- I think. Uh, you know, at that age, you're kind of invincible, right? Yeah. And and I wanted to I wanted to progress. I wanted to to do something. Um, and in between that, I'm trying to play football as well. Well, I was going to say you got this uh, other career that's kind of ha- happening in parallels, which you've got to do outside of full time work hours. Yeah. How how hard was that? That that was hard. So I was living in I was living in Everton Park and driving to Wakehole, and then driving back to Everton Park and having a quick thirty minute 
kip or um, something to eat and then drive out to Redcliffe and then drive home. And you get home about 8 30 and start dinner again. And then you do it all again. You're up at five o'clock. Yeah. But you can do that when you're young. Yeah, it's true. You know, so, and I did that for, uh, for a number of years. And then, you know, it, it, uh, I guess it was presented to me this, this raw feeding. There'd been books written by Dr. Ian Billinghurst at that time. And, um, yeah, in, in a roundabout way it was presented to me and I had a look at it and I just, it just makes what do you, sense. What do you mean in a roundabout way? So you're working in small goods. Yep. Whilst within the industry it's probably not that big a jump, but, I mean, not yep. everyone in, in small goods is going to – raw feeding of dogs is going to take their eye, is it? How, tell me how that happened. Okay, so I was still in the small goods business. That's a funny story. I was going to make it really quick. We were manufacturing piggies, drying piggies, some, some pet food right. company, um, pet business store, purchased to dry piggies for them. So we did that, and we're turning that over you know, for a number of months, and then all of a sudden one, one weekend I was in a pet store. I said, oh, well, my God, look at what they're selling these piggies at, and I know what I was selling them at at that time to, to them, and there's definitely a, a good markup, healthy markup. And these guys never come back. They put an order and never came back, and my... My dispatch manager said, we got these piggies, what are we going to do with them? And I said, I'll buy them. Oh, did you? <laughs> <laughs> that was a little entrepreneur coming out. Of me on this. <laughs> All right, I'll, um, I'll buy those. And um, anyway, I went to try to sell them to a <laughs> pet store. We just knock on someone's door and say, hey, um, you got a whole bunch of piggies. Yeah, I don't know. I ended up at the Redcliffe store, and I don't know why. I don't think I was living out there at that time, but anyway. No, I wasn't. I was living at Griffin. Um. And, yeah, I, I, the guy started talking to me, he said, oh, I haven't seen you around. Yeah, you know, and, yeah, no, just you interested in what? <laughs> so, anyway, we had, we had a big chat. He said, wait, look, what's your background? Blah, blah. And I told him, oh, I'm in the you know, small goods business and I do processing. And somebody said, we're looking for somebody like you. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, there's books there, but it's not, re- it's not retail. You know, it's not available. Nobody is making or doing it. We want somebody to make it. I said, well, I had a look at it and. Um, I went back to him and said, yeah, well, I can do this for you. No problems at all. It's very similar. Making mm. small goods, making what, what we do now at Big Dog is very similar. You've got all these lovely raw ingredients. We're grinding them. We're, we're processing through. We're you know, going through fact, um, machines and getting them in a presentable format. So um, I went back and I, I just said, mate, I can do this for you if that's what you want. And then I started up a little factory on the side whilst I was still... Still working goods. at small goods, yeah. And, and playing footy. No, no, no. I finished. So football finished when I was 26. You ever feel like you got unfinished, had unfinished business or you think, you know, that was it? Because you were, you know, you're on a tra- trajectory at that point. Do I regret it and, and, and have chosen this field? Absolutely not. Yeah. But, I, you know, I, I really love footy and that's all I ever wanted to be. I wanted to be an NRL player. Well, you were. As, as a young fella. <laughs> well, let's not get in there. But, um, you know, that's, that's what I wanted. But my, my first child, Sam, was born. So I started the business in 2000. Sam was born in 2000. You know, I, I was a forward, so I had a couple of injuries starting to yeah. appear. Um, you know, and something had to give. The, those hours, as a, as you know as well, as a professional footballer or semi-professional footballer, for me, was um, it's a it's a long day and many hours. So something had to give. So okay, you start this business on the side in 2000. Mm. You're still working at the small goods. When did it get to a point where you're like, okay, I, I got to give away? the other job and focus on this because I mean it could have easily gone the other way you go oh, man this is too hard this thing I'm doing on the side I gotta go back to the safe option well that, that's certainly presented um after the first 12 months in business we we lost um eighty thousand dollars 
was my first year back in 2000. That's a lot of money back then. It's a lot of money now. Yep. Yeah, true. Um, and then the second year wasn't much better. So, you know, between maybe the halfway through the second year, I just got to – because I used to go to small, um, to my job and then I'd, I'd cut back and, and um, check out the factory because I had four people there yeah. working. And one of, one of the guys just <laughs> – who was running the show for me? I went to uni with, so so I, you know it, it wasn't like I had just anybody no. there. There was a guy there that kind of knew what he's doing. Yeah. And, but it's like anything, you know that the, the passion isn't quite there, and, and nor do I expect that to be there because they don't have skin in the game. Business. Yeah, because they don't have skin in the business. Owner. You know, they it's hard. So I just knew that I had to go across and and um, and just put everything in, so, you know, everything I had. So. And that's what I did. The old uh, Sun Tzu quote: "Burn the canoes." Yeah. You know, the you know Sun Tzu, the art of war. Yeah. So, um, really close friend of mine once told me about this. He said, um, "You know, we you're talking about something." He said, "You got to know when to burn the canoes." Mm. So when they would back in the those ancient days, they would get in their canoes and travel to fight a war, and they would be camped up on these beaches, and this war would be raging, and they'd get to a point where. Well, we got to stay warm. So, what do we do? Oh, we burn the. Canoe. So it's it's like there's no way back. It's it's like saying we're here to do this. Mm. We're not going back. Yeah, but as I said, that there was times where I thought, well, you know, I'm I'm only young still, yeah. even in the second year. Like, but I've lost 120k. Um, but but there's an opportunity. I could just you know, yep, I had a crack and and I fell in a hole and um, I can I can pay it back. So what? That's it. But that's an interesting point. Like. There would be so many stories out there, and, and maybe not in that particular industry, but of people who have got to that point and said, oh, "That's enough. I got to, I got to cut my losses and get out of here and do something else." What, what's what was different with you? What 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 was your mindset? It was just well, to be perfectly honest, my wife Kirsten, she and I never agreed uh, at the same time to close the doors. Like when Kirsten said, "You know, this is too much," and I said, "No, no, no, we're going okay." And then I'd say, "You know what? I've just had enough." And she go, no, we, we, there's something there still. So we never agreed for those first two years. Or Isn't that interesting? That, yeah, and, and because of that, we, we just kept powering through. Sliding doors kind of scenario, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, very much so. And then so a couple of years in, you're like, okay, I'm gonna, I've got something here, and then we're looking to get a facility. How hard was it for you door knocking with this product? I mean, you had to... You know your your background wasn't sales, but you had to probably learn sales pretty damn quick. Oh, everything you know, it was it was quite an eye opener the business because I went from a production manager where you know really I could just I'm sourcing raw materials and I know what my my pricing should be and where what what I can buy or pay mm. my highest and lowest sort of thing and and you know I just write that purchase order out and my product arrives. I don't know where that money comes from and you don't have that, you know, that sort of background in business. So it's a slap of reality when you go into business and you know, hats off to everybody that's, you know, in business today and or even had a crack at it because it's tough um, understanding that. So, yeah, I've kind of forgot where what your question was. Man. No, the, 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 the question was around... Um, I'd sort of broke it down to sales and said, yep. you know, that's not your background. You're, you're dealing with staff and, as you said, uh, procurement, mm. buying rather than, than selling. But then you've got to go start 
sending emails, making phone calls, knocking on doors and say, I've got this awesome product. Mm. You need to buy it. Yep. Um, it was hard. It was hard because you know, I'm not a natural salesman. Um, and getting out there and speaking to people and, and trying to educate them with a, a pet store owner, right, that really wants to give you five minutes maximum because A, he's never heard of this product before, B, he's never seen you, and C, there's not much happening in the frozen sector. So you've got to try to get them listening, um, understanding them, and maybe, maybe, um, you know, taking a couple of cartons off you to try. Because don't forget back then too, 23 years ago, like the, the, the frozen sector has really changed the fresh raw sector. Yeah. You know, it's huge how much difference. And I think back here now and, you know, yet the freezers, if they had a freezer, if they were selling frozen meat or whatever it may be, bones. It's not shoppable back then. It would yeah. be a chest white freezer, right? Exactly, a chest freezer right down the back. Yeah. Not really a destination in the store. It wasn't a destination. It was kind of like an afterthought. Consumers thing. can't see it. Yep, and the people had to go looking for it. So even if I did get into the store, then you've still got to try to get the people down there to buy it. It's the pull through, right? Yeah. So the sell-in's one thing. Oh, my God, I just sold in. Yeah. Oh, my God, how am I going to get that? get the punters to buy that so I can sell it again? Yep, 100%. So that, and then in the background, you know, you're really relying on, on some of these sales because I've got to pay my supplier, so, and I've got to pay my staff, and I've got to pay uh, rent on, on my premises, and I've got to pay for my machinery that I'm leasing. Um, you know, so there's, there's a whole lot of things. But throughout this pr- process, so you're learning to be a businessman, but you're also educating yourself to become, and don't smirk at this, an expert on animal, you know, dog and cat raw feeding. Yeah. So you're doing all this as well. Yeah. Like the, you've got this parallel kind of, it's almost like a full-time job e- educating yourself on this diet. Yep. Yeah, 100%. So, and that was well, where, why my, my food science background certainly helps, you know, from the nutrition. But I've always been, I've always been interested in nutrition and that kind of helped me with football as well, you know, obviously. So I could have used you. <laughs> so, you know that that helps. So there's there's always been a passion for this this health and this nutrition and how they work together. Um, so I really enjoyed it. I read plenty and plenty of books. Um, and you know, at that time we were we were then we then introduced Bath into Australia, and I was um, Dr. B's manufacturer. Right. You know, so I had. Dr. Billings there that I would talk to as well. So he was he was always wonderful, you know, and when together we worked through a, a number of, of diets and things and that sort of stuff. So it, it, it was it was good. You know, I, I really loved it. Um, but, yeah, and, and it all made sense to me. And you could feed, you know, I was obviously feeding it as well and I could see that in my dog as well and everything that the, what had been written about was, was absolutely there in evidence. So if, if you're seeing it and believing it yourself, it makes you a better salesperson. It yeah, makes you better at what you're doing, right? Because you're, 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 you're seeing, oh, my God, my dog's doing great on this. Yep. So yep. That, that, that means everything you're saying, every sales word that you've written is a truth. Yeah, we It's living. not just a line. Yeah, we all live in it. So that, that, was, um, that was always good, you know, gave us power for, for sure. What sort of... Um, Diets did you guys cycle through to arrive? And I, I understand it's a evolving mm. beast all the time because I, I can always see your brain ticking over when you're thinking about different things. But mm. where sort of Big Dog has been for the past sort of five or six years, 
What sort of things did you cycle through to arrive at that? You know, certainly the raw materials, our supplies and that sort of stuff, there was some of that that changes, obviously. What what is available today might have been available 15 years ago. So yeah. the cycling of, um, of, of the raw materials and working in with our suppliers and um, making formulations work regardless, you know, the, the consistency there. And I think, you know, that... To be perfectly honest, you know, I read the group chats and that sort of stuff, and then people do say that big dogs bone heavy, and that was back in the old days. We probably were a bit more bone heavy, but we were working on those formulations that you know was written about. Um, I think we're we're, we're much better at um, on what we do there, and we certainly reduced a bit of, of that bone content. I mean, we're much better at what we do nowadays. What did it first look like? I mean, the patties now you got uh, you know four in a in a tray, basically two hundred fifty gram. Yep. What did it? First look like yeah we were we were frozen patties so what shape was it they were they were round yeah um, and what's the diameter there so I'm going to say that that was and I shouldn't know off the top of my head I reckon they're twelve and a half centimeters across that was my diameter okay so you think of the two kilo chubs today bigger than those so they're more like a three kilo diameter roll with a roll so we would fill them out and they would be a meter long yeah in in those casings and then we would clip them hang them on trolleys, push them in our freezer, wait 48 hours to freeze, bring them back out, remove the casing, then zip them through the bandsaw. Really? Yep. And then what, you'd have like a paper in between them or something? Or no, they no. just come together in a... Yeah, we, 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 they'd have to be rock hard frozen. If yeah. they were a little bit soft in the middle when you started cutting, yeah. they'd go back into the freezer yeah. until they were rock hard or otherwise they would stick together. And, you know, sometimes we, we would still get a little bit of that happening and we'd just, you know, just... just Tap them on give the table, a, drop a, them on the ground. It's like a bag of ice. Yeah, <laughs> well. But I remember, you know, we used to just power through um, through this bandsaw and, oh, it gives me shivers now. I think about, <laughs> you got you all know, your fingers, which is great. Yeah, all the safety side of it. But uh, it was so labour intensive. The machineries, the machinery then was just a bandsaw, right? Yeah. So you didn't have all of the, the stuff that bandsaws have now, like those protective sort of. Yeah. Guards and all that sort of stuff, and then I go to the wastage. You know, the the wastage, or the, we call it bone dust, which is what you generate through the bandsaw. Oh, of so course. butchers would be familiar with that. Yeah, so that would always average about ten percent as well, too. So ten percent, wow. Mm. Yeah, so and that was very labour intensive. So we got to the stage where we, we it was in the fifth year. I remember the fifth year, and you you read business books, and I was heavily into the business books and all this sort of stuff. And they said, you know, they always said about the five year. And I, I swear, I swear, it was five years when we saw light at the end of the tunnel. Really? It was, it was definitely what the book said. And then I said, you know what, we're, we're growing. We just need to change this format. This isn't, um, this isn't going to be um, future proofing our business here. We need, we need to change the format. And that's when um, we said, well, let's have a look at um, patties, you know, through a thermo format. And that's that's when we rolled over from the old format to to what we're still doing today. Yeah, where'd the name Big Dog come from? Um, it wasn't our first choice. Oh, really? Yeah. Are you allowed to say well, you don't have to? But are you allowed? To, is it is it the first choice is taken? Obviously, the first choice was taken, but Big Dog <laughs> is a better name. Yeah, but the, don't don't say it. No, I can say. It. Don't say. Yeah. It. So uh, no, well, the original one was going to be Blue Dog, and Blue Dog was named after a dog that I um that I used to love. Okay. Yeah. That's grand, right. That's grand, right. So. Yeah. Yeah, but it was it was quite funny because, again, you you know you naive business and said, yeah yeah just rock up there you'll get big dog it's all good, oh uh, no you'll get blue dog yeah. it's, it's all good said to Kirsten, Kirsten rocks up and she's at the counter trying to register blue dog and they've said no you can't have it, <laughs> so she's wrong me she's right there, <laughs> <laughs> and she said, 
Uh, you can't have blue dog. I said, what do you mean you can't have blue dog? Just tell me you want blue dog. She said, no, you can't have blue dog. He's already taken. I said, right. Well, and she, then she just started rattling things off. This, that, whatever, dog, 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 yeah, dog. And then she said, big dog. I said, big dog, big that's dog. it. Really? Yep. I said, that's it. Perfect. And it's amazing that that, that was still, a, that, yeah, it's weird. Blue dog went before big dog? Yep. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Anyway. That's that's how yeah, we. Yeah, that's how we really I'd right. love to say there's, you know, we sat down and we thought about this name <laughs> and how how it's going to evolve. And we workshopped it with a exactly marketing right. consultant. It was, it was just so. That was it. Yeah. Mm. Which uh, is great. Uh, I love uh, the name. Uh, I love it too. But have there been any communication issues where people are like, well, I can't feed big dog. I have a small dog. Oh, of course, we still get it today. <laughs> so I know we haven't made it yet until everybody knows that big dog can be fed to any size dog. We love right. them big and small. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, we haven't made it. So we've got still a lot of work to do about about that, but we do get people from time to time. With your background in procurement in small goods, has it, has that made it easy to maintain contacts and source these amazing raw ingredients that you source now? Has that been a, a huge advantage? Uh, absolutely. And and none more evident than what's just happened recently with COVID. So what do you mean? Well, there was a lot of supply chains that were that fell over. Yeah. And um and a lot of our competitors that, you know, really struggled to to put product on shelves. But I don't think we really missed a beat, to tell the truth, and, and that that was con- coinciding with some really good growth um, that came out of COVID. And, you know, there's a lot of bad luck stories there, and that's for sure, and I appreciate that. But we went the other way. We, we got some considerable growth coming out of there. So from our, for our suppliers, and it, it's only because of the relationship we've had. As I've had suppliers for 23 years since, as long as the business. That's awesome. Just fantastic, fantastic businesses that have supported us all the way through, and you know, I'll call that Ingham's. <laughs> and one of those guys is still there and servicing me today. And he's such a great guy, Moe. Um, But, you know, he started with one tub of, of chicken for us. You know, we take a few more today. But <laughs> it was, um, you know, that they just, they've just grown with us and, and gave us that opportunity to, to work with them. And, you know, so, so very grateful because, as I said, when, when COVID hit, um, who was going to expect that? You know, all of a sudden, and I certainly wasn't future planning to that point where overnight I need to start producing forty percent more product overnight. So, you know, we're we're very lucky that we've got some fantastic supply chains out there. Do you ever get a time to just reflect, just to I don't know, just to be a little bit retrospective and look at that path? You know, be it with the supplier and. Yeah, having a conversation. You remember back twenty three years ago? Oh, and they just sit there and shake your heads and go, "Oh, I can't believe it." Moe does. He reminisces. He, he always reminds me from him. So yeah, about those sort of days. I haven't, and I'm not good at it, and I need to be better at it. Um, just taking a step back and you know appreciating where we where we've come from to to where we are today. At what point did you really start to think? I mean, you said you. You could see the benefits of your dog eating it, and obviously you knew the nutritional benefits. So all of these things are stacking up. But at what point did you potentially think to yourself, "We're not just running a commercial operation here; we're we're contributing to the well-being of people's family members, being dogs and cats mm-hmm. across the country." Did when did that 
sort of descend upon you, that particular thought? Because obviously it's a huge part of what you do and what the business does. Yeah, I think um, I saw it straight from the, the first day. You know, it's that was a driver. And it's certainly a lever for us is or for me is, you know, I know nutrition works. And if it wasn't for my dog at the beginning, it, it was on myself. Yeah. You know, um, what you're putting in your body, you're going to get out. So, um, you know, from from the day dot, it was common sense. It just made sense to me, you know, as an evolutionary diet. It's an ancestral diet. That, that's what they've eaten for years and years. Why wouldn't it be? Why, why wouldn't it work? It, it, it didn't it, – it just – Okay. I couldn't believe that it wasn't on the market, actually, oh, when oh, I got into it. I can actually remember having that same thought when I first came and spoke to you. I'm like, what? This, this all makes complete sense. What do you mean, you know, there's there's people not doing it? Mm. It's bizarre. It's bizarre. Still to the, to this day, I'm, I'm still mystified. Boy. How proud do you get? Oh, I don't really reflect as much. Man, yeah, I but I mean, shit on that. I'm, I'm, I'm certainly proud. I'm proud of, um, I'm proud of um, Big Dog. I'm proud of all of our staff, past and present. Yeah, but I mean, that's an element that's within arm's reach of pride. But what I just said before, you're looking out over Australia. You, it's probably not quantifiable the the difference you have made in dogs' lives, and then by direct correlation people's lives yep yep that's um it's a it's a big thing um so many dogs that we have helped and we continue to help and as you said the families you know yep i'm gonna tear up in a minute that's okay tell me about the time when and i and i hope i get this story right tell me about the time when you're um you're driving along in your car and you hear on the radio about a kid who suffers from autism and epilepsy on the radio Yep. And they were needing an assistance dog and just so happened to be an assistance dog from a a uh, organization you had an affiliation with. Tell yep. me tell me about hearing that story on the radio. Um so you're talking about Akira. Um and my brother actually heard it. Right. My, my oldest brother. He heard it and um you know it, he heard that this this family was looking for a dog for for Akira who um you know, she she would have up to 150 fits in that a day. So um, he rang me and said, do you reckon there's anything you can do for that, about that? And I said, yeah, yeah I'm sure we, we can contribute in one way or another, you know, whether it's feeding the dog or whatever. But then, you know, we, well, I did a bit more digging and and um, they needed, they were chasing another $20,000 for that dog at that time. So, you know, we just, and, and I can't remember the year. Exactly, but I think we've had an affiliation with Smart Bucks for maybe 10 years now. Maybe that long. So, you know, if we go back 2013, I reckon it was around about then. So I just said, you know what, let's just do, let's just do it all. Let's just do it, buy this dog for the, for a carer. And um, it's funny enough, I, I heard from her mother. Uh, she stays in regular contact, but I heard from her mother um, just yesterday. No sent, way. sent me photos of herself and a carer jumping on a boat out at Harvey Bay going um, whale watching. For the first time ever, Akira can't speak, but um, you know the the joy and the smile on her face was amazing. And her dog Jagger, which is who he had three days off, he was um, because they were out. The boat, so he was having a three day holiday with his girlfriend, apparently. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's it, it's great. And to this day, we've always just had that association with with smart pups because of 
Well, t- well t- tell me how that started. Uh, Smart Pups. Well, that that was the how it all started. It was it was through this donation. That's how it started through yeah. through the donation to Akira. Yeah, through the yeah. donation, and then um, you know, obviously meeting Patricia out there, who who um, was the founder of Smart Pups. Um, you know, chat to them, and then just seeing what we could do and contribute to to what they do out there, and um, you know, just amazing organisation. So we've always been a, a partner with sp- them in some sort of capacity. I spoke to Simon and Helene recently mm-hmm. from Smart Pups, and I basically said to them, you know, if there's a God, you're doing God's work. Mm. And absolutely, the time I went out to that facility. When I saw their trainers doing it, was waterworks road for me. I couldn't. It was unbelievably emotional and touching to see what those people do out there and what they're providing for people in need. Yeah, it's it's an incredible. And there's a few, there's a few charities out there, and obviously, but yeah. we we have this association with um, with Smart Bus because it, it really just it does you know touch your heart. So um, yeah, they're an incredible bunch. Or an incredible business out there, but said so that there is a number of other charities and whatnot as well that can that do fantastic work as well. So, you know, it's always nice um, when you get to a stage in your business when you can give back. You know, I had a debt to deal with first, <laughs> yes, but um, you got to have something to give. You've got to you've got to give something back. I'm, I'm a big believer in that in business. You've got to give something back, and you know, people give to us as as um, and, and certainly we give them a product, but. And we hope that we do touch their lives with their, their pets as well. We have, we we have a we're a partner with them, you know, in in that family as well. But it's it's important in business to give back. How has your philosophy in business changed over twenty three years? Yeah, good question. Uh, I think I'm much wiser. I'm a, I'm a much wiser businessman. That being said, I've had some really good mentors in my life. There's always been a little bit of luck in business too, to to a certain degree. Then. You know, people say, oh, there's never luck, it's blah, blah, blah. But, you know, sometimes it's just luck. Um, I, I don't know. I think um, it's more for me about what what's a definite change is I had four people to worry about. And then at one stage um, when we were in such a situation, it was just me for six months. I had me to worry about. I was the – I'd open up and make the product and clean up and deliver the product sort of thing at one wow. stage there. So – um, I had myself, but then, then as you grow and we get more and more people in our business who become part of our family, it's, you know, I feel like there's a responsibility there as well. There certainly is, and then they have a family, so you, you know, you start taking all this into consideration. Yeah, with, with some of your decisions, um, you, you're not you think them through a bit, bit better. Um, that's from that side of things. From from the, our product point of view, I mean, I'm 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 always hungry to to better our product, you know. And and I listen to the feedback, the good and the bad. You know, I like the the bad feedback that we receive from our customers um, is just as important as the good. You know, the, the excellent testimonials we get. We've, we've we've changed this dog's life, or a vet's recommended this dog to be put down. They've well, that's not going on, and not on my watch. So then they they've changed everything, and they've just gone to raw, and this dog is. He's alive and he's certainly living a, a really healthy sort of life. You know, we, we get those sort of testimonies all the time and so would other raw food companies. But, um, you know, I think uh, that's quite um, – uh, 
it's what I enjoy is to find, well, okay, well, what's the, what else can we be doing better with our formulations, with our products? What's the next thing? And you'll see that, that there is a gradual sort of inclusion and, and whatnot in some of our processing techniques and our investments and that sort of stuff. We grow our own wheatgrass and that sort of stuff. You know, it's, it's, it's all about the nutrition in our formulation because we, we know where it's going and what the benefits are going to be. New facility now. You, yep. can, you can provide more product to all the dogs across uh, Australia. What's next for Big Dog? Is, is it just a time of consolidation now? No. <laughs> no. So with the new factory, there was two projects on that, you know, two stages. So we've got a third stage still going in. And that's probably more for, for the team, you know, better lunchrooms and all that sort of stuff. Um, but there will be a small expansion into the other area as well. So uh, we'll get that done. And then then from a, an implementation of the, the infrastructure, I think we're done there. Um, and then we'll go back up to the front end and review our machines yeah. and, and just continue to, to work with the, the most modern machinery and the most um, effective machinery, you know, to do what, what we're chasing. Always trying to be better every with every step. Well, it, it's that, and so always listening to the customer. Yeah, you know, and what what the trends are. So, you know, you can't keep reinventing Bath. Then Bath is it is what it is, and we work on these percentages that we talk about, and so that's there. So let's get our raw materials as good as they possibly be, and and then then let's listen to the the, the pet parents. What do you want? You know, what, what do you guys want other than this now? What's next for us to, to help that introduce raw feeding into your life or to make your life easier? So, you know, I think in six months you'll see a new product that will be released from us, um, and that's all about just convenience and, and, and assisting, you know, the pet parents there with the inclusion of raw to some sort of capacity, yeah. You said just before about testimonials. I want to... Finish off by sharing a couple of testimonials, mate. So you said you don't often get a chance to reflect and look back and be proud. So this one's from Brooke. This is about Dusty. From last year to late March, Dusty suffered from terrible rashes and extremely sensitive dry and itchy skin. She'd scratched so much she'd cut herself, constantly licking herself. I had seen so many accounts using Big Dog. I really wanted to try it within a month using the sensitive skin option she stopped licking at her paws and legs all those rashes healed up and she's now been on big dog for three and a half months and doing amazing and i always get compliments on how great her skin and coat are mm. amazing quality and affordable such a wide variety of options there's another one here at oakley at around eight months oakley started to lose his hair on his neck chest and stomach is almost bald Went to the vet multiple times for treatments and diet changes to resolve the, the issues, but nothing worked. Instead, it caused digestive issues. And I'm sure this is a common story. Since transitioning to Big Dog, I've seen impro- improvements within Oakley's overall health. His hair started to grow back. His skin is starting to repair, and I am absolutely amazed with the results and his energy levels have skyrocketed. That's from Stevie. Mm. You must... Yep. Every one of these particular stories, how do they make you feel? Oh, fantastic. They make you feel like we're doing our job, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they work. The program works. The program works. <laughs> <laughs> Chris. No, it's good. I mean, we, we hear that regularly, you know, so yeah. it's really 
it's really nice, but that's our job. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's your job, but it's good to know that you're doing your job right and that and that people are recognising you for doing your job right and you're making a difference. Yeah. Well, positive feedback is um, is good. Yeah. <laughs> I prefer yeah. that. So, yeah. you know, but, I mean, that's that's what we do. We're, we're always trying to – I like the cost effective, especially right now. Like, people are under pressure. And and that is the last thing that will move is um, – is price, so we will we will constantly go through our processes and and work with our suppliers to see what collectively we can do um, before we move on that price because it, it's tough. We want people to feed raw, so you know we've all got to have a bit of skin in the game there and and try to control those costs as best we can. Keep on keeping on, mate. Thank you, mate. Good chat. Appreciate it. Very open and honest and. Informative, Any, mate. Anytime. That was my reflection, my time for re- reflection. So I'm, thank you for Well, that. it's my pleasure and uh, it was it was wonderful to share that time with you. Mm. So that was a pretty amazing deep talk with founder, managing director of Big Dog Pet Foods, Mr. Chris Essex, my friend. Uh, look, if whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on, this one definitely deserves a five-star review in my opinion. <laughs> And uh, look, if you have any questions about raw feeding, you can go onto the Big Dog Pet Foods website. You can email the Big Dog Pet Foods team at customercare at bigdogpetfoods.com. You can hit up Big Dog Pet Foods on all the socials as well, be it uh, TikTok, be it uh, Instagram, be it Facebook. I hope, I'm sure they're on TikTok. You guys on TikTok? Yeah. Girls are wonderful, yeah. they do a great There job. we are, they are. The marketing team are wonderful. wonderful. So get on there, subscribe to this podcast, follow Big Dog Pet Foods on all the socials, and stay tuned for the next awesome chat we're going to have right here on Pause. And listen, my name's Johnny, it's been a heap of fun. Chris, thanks heaps, mate. Thanks, man. Appreciate it, mate. My pleasure. Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. For more information and content, visit the Big Dog Pet Foods website. Please note that the information discussed in these podcasts is general in nature and has been provided in good faith for educational and informational purposes only. The information provided is not, nor is it intended to be, a substitute for professional advice or care. If any of the topics discussed raise questions or concerns for you regarding the health of your pet, we recommend that you consult your veterinarian or trusted pet health provider for an individual assessment and advice. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.